on this week's episode, the Beatles get back. Resident Evil returns to Raccoon City. And what's for sale on Cyber Monday? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, Humanican Media, PopCultureCosmos.com, or anything that we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos because we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. We just had an awesome game earlier today with DM Mitch running the controls and organizing the game he is our man on the weekend and i give him a big shout out as always because he is one of the best dms out there plus we have tremendous dms all week long running games at the pop culture cosmos on facebook where you can find the latest news and trends in pop culture every single day and if you could support all of that and everything that we do it is sincerely appreciated but it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend he is our own turkey coma of pop culture cosmos you got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com gotta go ahead check out his awesome shows the super bs games cast and topicocalypse plus his amazing book which might still be on sale for cyber monday entitled congratulations you suck it's available now at amazon and barnes noble it is my good friend it is josh peterson What's up, man? Ten bucks. Ten dollars is all it will cost you to secure yourself a copy of Congratulations, You Suck. Did you it like fit. that correction I made to the food coma type deal? The turkey coma? Turkey coma. Yes, you are our own turkey coma of pop culture. Right now. You know, people are still going to, uh, too much turkey on Thanksgiving. Uh, no, I think right now everyone's just dreading going back to work. Very much no, true. but hopefully we get this well, our show provides a lot of people on monday morning tuesday morning a great way to go ahead and pass the time the energy required to get through the day but hey three weeks right and then you have christmas week i think most people are off that christmas through new year's so that's a pretty good chunk of time absolutely absolutely looking Let's forward to it now. Yeah, absolutely. Getting more time with the family is always a great thing. Hopefully, everybody will continue to stay safe. It's holiday season. Stay healthy. You're looking forward to a great holiday season, whether it's shopping, whether it's movies, whether it's streaming, which I have still not caught up on because there's just so much out there. I did catch up on some of it this weekend, but not all of it because there's just so much that I have to catch up on. But yes, if you have a good time this holiday season i truly hope that you will exactly yes yes but how was your thanksgiving holiday 
it was good. I barbecued the turkey, but I didn't give it enough time to barbecue. So we were Ben like, Arnaud would probably say, you know, give you a clap on that for, for going ahead. And the turkey, yeah. And it was great when it was done, but it was done after everybody was done eating. So that was cool. It went fine last year because we cooked the turkey that was like 10 pounds less than what we cooked this year. I just learned my lesson. Also, last night I started to watch 8-Bit Christmas. It's really not that good. I was, I don't Did know I what I was Did I not tell you this? Yeah, I just, I don't know what I was expecting from it, but I it just. I was expecting it, trash, man. They were trying so hard to like recapture the magic of like a Christmas story and E.T., like movies that star like kids going on these grand adventures. They're trying so hard to recapture that magic and it just, it fell short. It fell short. And well, for I me, mean, like. Let me just say this. Home Alone. I mean, if you looked at it from a critical standpoint, it's not very much of a beloved movie. But to the, it's right. reason why it's endearing to so many people because there are lessons learned during it that have endured to fans out there. And, and that's why it, the movie has endured to. But that's the only one. And then you talk about A Christmas Story, which is a very well-made movie. And that's just so hard to replicate. Yeah, and, you know, I think that, like christmas films like trying to stand out be a christmas film and stand out especially like hallmark and netflix putting out trash all the time like you you do have a lot of hurdles to jump through but i also think if you want to be a good if you want to be like a new classic you got to stay away from what's been done already like in this one it's like a mixture of home alone jingle all the way christmas story and you know all those movies from the 80s where kids are trying to achieve a common purpose like those those types of things they've been done already you know just just and what really irritated me was that they like had a tv fall on a dog and like that was something that you know if you anytime a dog gets hurt or dies in in a movie like i shut it off immediately because i just i don't need to watch any more of it even legend with uh will smith you know the only reason i didn't walk out of that was because i couldn't you know i was one i had paid to watch it and two i was in the middle of the aisle and i didn't want to be i already gotten up to go pee like three times so i didn't want to be that guy you know no they can't actually kill the dog that's against certain no i know i know that you know but on a never-ending story they did actually kill the horse uh in that swamp scene so and from what i from what i remember reading they actually had like three horses all lined up ready to like die in that pit so that's probably one of the reasons why they changed the rules on <laughs> things were different way back when yeah. but yeah oh yeah, yeah. anyways not a, not a great movie i haven't decided if i'm going to finish it or not but not something i'm dying to watch it was just so hard though because you black friday shopping and all that it just it was just hard to get into it because i had uh, video games in in the checkout bin ready to go and, and purchase online but I just couldn't pull the trigger on it because I just figured out, hey, and when am I going to get to all these games? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. I was, um, you know, there like like I was telling you before we started playing, like there's a lot of things that like I would I wanted to get because they're not things that I would buy at full price or really like didn't, you know, there are things I'd play if someone bought them for me. So I was like considering buying some things and then, my mom asked me what I wanted for Christmas and I put those things on that list. So I'm just like, not gonna buy those things. But anyways, like, yeah, I don't know if you noticed this, but like the prices, the black Friday pricing this year is a lot different from what it was last year. Did you know, have you noticed that? Like the games that were 60 bucks 
usually get cut down to $30, somewhere around there. But this year, they're all, the games are 60 bucks, with the exception of Guardians of the Galaxy. Most of them are discounted only to like 40-something bucks. Well, so that's it's, the it's, PS5, Xbox Series X thing. Right, yeah. So, that I mean, that was kind of disappointing. And also, like, none of the Walmarts around here had special, like, box displays set up in the aisles that had, like, the the discount movies like they usually do. So, you know, most of the Walmarts, you wouldn't even know there's a sale going on unless you looked. You have to, like, look online to see what's on sale and grab it off the shelf. There's not really any any advertising in-store, which was weird for me. Very weird indeed, but it is something I think that was a sign of the times, a very muted at times Black Friday. But from what we're hearing, Black Friday spending in stores was up. More people wanted to go ahead and experience going back to the shopping malls and going back to actual physical stores, brick-and-mortar stores this year. So that's a good sign because you and I have always talked on this show about how we miss the brick-and-mortar experience in certain ways, especially with stores like Toys R Us and KB Toys and all that. So good to see any type of support for the local retail outlets out there from people out there. So that's a good sign indeed. But if you have your own experiences from Thanksgiving and Black Friday, please share it with us. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, we still got a great episode on tap. Much to talk about indeed, including the Thanksgiving box office. Resident Evil returns to Raccoon City with its welcome to Raccoon City. We're going to go ahead and actually share some thoughts on the movie. And maybe it was a little bit of a mistake not to go to Netflix right away. We're going to talk the Beatles in many terms, in many ways, by many people, I think including myself, that they are the greatest musical artists of all time. And the latest work that's on the Beatles, which is a really great behind-the-scenes documentary that was directed by Peter Jackson, of all people. That's available now on Disney+. Plus. So we'll talk about the Beatles, Get Back, coming up here in a bit. Plus, also, we're talking... Some Cyber Monday deals, what still looks good out there that we may be interested in getting. Plus also, you know I said this on Friday's show that Josh and I would be talking some of the TV series that are in the works that we really, really, really have waited a long time for. And that's Mass Effect, Alien, and Blade Runner. So we'll be talking plenty of that on the back half of the show as well. But my friend... I do want to go ahead and give everybody an update on the box office for this past weekend. And I think what I hear the most are two words, muted and subdued, because Encanto came out this past weekend, and it looks like for the entire five days that it was out, because I think it started on, in previous on Wednesday, it actually, in the U.S., only garnered about $40 million, and it looks to get uh, right around uh, $80 to $90 million worldwide. And it over the weekend, it only earned about $27 million, just beating Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is uh, closing in. I think by this time next week, it'll close in on $100 million domestically. So that's a good sign for Ghostbusters. It only dropped 44% in this second week, which is a good sign. The House of Gucci, Gucci, my friend, that earned a solid $14 million over the course of the weekend and $21 million over the course of its first five days, which is pretty solid for a movie that, how should I say, these types of movies are have not been frequented in this, post, in this pandemic era. 
these type of Oscar contenders, these type of uh, uh, a little bit more critical movies type deal. They're not the superhero or entertainment type deals that, that really are trying to cater to a general audience. This caters to more of a, a direct audience. And it's good to see that people are going ahead and checking out this movie. So it did pretty good for its first initial run. And then followed by the Eternals. And then way down below at number five is Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. So that's uh, something I think Netflix needs to take in mind. But we'll talk about Resident Evil here in a sec, my friend. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on Encanto. I know you and I are hearing good things. We're seeing good reviews. So your thoughts on Encanto before we hit the break. You know, I don't really know much about this movie. I've seen a couple trailers and I was, you know, it looks like a really interesting film like it's it's pretty i guess like there's a lot of colors on the uh you know on the screen and uh just, just like kind of seeing what's about you know trying to find your trying to find what makes you special like i think that's a great message to deliver to kids but will it recapture the magic of coco no i don't know man coco is still like my top disney pixar film of like the past five years oh yeah, excellent right film. excellent film yeah so yeah, I'm definitely interested in watching it. Uh, I don't know if it's something I'm going to be rushing out to the theaters to to watch, but it, you know, as soon as that hits Disney Plus, that is something I will, you know, take the time to sit down and watch. It's based in the mountains of Colombia. It's this house with magical properties, and I guess the story is as the magical property uh, as the house something goes on with the house so that the magical properties for everybody in the house seems to fade, and a young lady who. We're not sure of exactly what type of magical properties or magic that she has because everybody uh, in her family has a specialty type magic or, or ability the house gives and she never was sure exactly what she had she's the one that comes together to the forefront and decide you know helps and do, does whatever is needed to try and save the house and save right there and, and the family that's going on there in the settings of Encanto so I'm really yeah. encouraged by it. It looks like it's going to promote strong and and good themes. So I'm looking forward to checking out Encanto myself. But that may be a Disney Plus deal for me as well. I know that I've been watching a lot of Disney Plus lately with Hawkeye and Get Back. So can't wait till it drops by there and see what we can go ahead and do to check out Encanto coming up. But I'm encouraged by it. It did get a okay opening, I guess, at the best. You could probably say for it, maybe okay at best. But... I think it's a little bit underwhelming from what Disney's was hoping for, but still, it is Encanto. It is earning solid reviews out there. I think a lot of people should go ahead and check it out either at the theaters or when it hits Disney Plus. And I think that's probably what a lot of people are going to do, like us. We're going to check it out on Disney Plus. But if you have any thoughts on Encanto, we would love to hear them. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. We've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie, reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh, jock and Nerd! But the one movie I want to talk about, no, it's not House of Gucci. We spoke about that last Before. week. 
before we do that, can I just say that it is good that movies like House of Gucci are still coming out because it's like your Ford versus Ferrari. That is something that you have like the older couples or like the people who don't have any kids just going to the movies on like a holiday or whatever. Because this caters to a certain niche and these movies have not done well in this pandemic era. Right. But there's still movies that need to come out. You know, they they are things that need that they're necessary if we're going to be, if we're going to find ourselves in an era, you know, this post COVID era of film that doesn't just have superhero movies and big franchises. Oh, I agree. I agree. Movies are necessary. So I'm glad to see that like, you know, 14 million for a movie like that is pretty strong. Yeah. And $21 million over the course of the entire five day weekend. That's, that's pretty strong for a movie like that. And the thing is though, this is the type of movie that pre pandemic would have garnered probably about a cool 30 to 50 million. Oh, absolutely. I think in his first weekend, I think Encanto probably would have hit 70 to 100 million domestically yeah. uh, when I'm talking about this domestically for both in its first weekend. But these yeah. are the type of movies, especially when it comes to House of Gucci, these specialized movies. And the last duel, I mean, Ridley Scott was very expressive and explicit in his reasons why <laughs> it failed, but. I won't go that into that here, but let's just say if you want to look it up, I would Google or Bing it, and you will understand why it's Ridley Scott and it's all of his charm and all of his 83 years old trying to go ahead and you know, just complain about Generation X. But yeah, yeah just basically uh, these type of films, which are trying to garner to a specialized audience, is, is really uh, kind of concerning that these movies don't click right now in a post-pandemic era because the audience that's well, that was there is not really attending. So it's a good sign for House of Gucci. I also think for the upcoming movie with Adam, uh, directed by Adam McKay that stars Leonard DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence and a host of others, Don't Look Up. I'm yeah. very, very glad that that movie is coming out on Netflix. Uh, I think uh, at some point in time, not too much after, not too long after, I think uh, what's going on because it doesn't feel like it has to be supported by the movies uh, that by the moviegoers out there that are going straight to theaters because this is the type of movie that may earn a lot of Oscar looks and it may, eh, you know, eh, may or may not be supported out in the movie theaters. So these type of movies which are earning acclaim and are earning Oscar, you know, uh, at least buzz per se, those movies have not been supported. So it's good to see that at least how Suguchi is supported. So it does allow for movies like don't look up and some others that are going to come out over the next six week, uh, six weeks to go ahead and be able to at least have a chance for people to come out and maybe support it. But even if it doesn't, hopefully they will have a smart VOD or streaming support plan that will go ahead and make sure that these movies get seen. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, like they are necessary movies. It's just, it's just going to be a slow, they're not going to be as quick to rebuild their audiences as, you know, the big franchise superhero stuff and Fast and the Furious and all that. See, like I was saying, Don't Look Up is being released in theaters on the 10th of December, but it's only having a two week buffer before it hits Netflix. Uh, It's going to be hitting Netflix on Christmas Eve. So, I think that's a smart way to play it. I mean, 
just in case people want to check it out on theaters. But I think for movie movies like that and any of these, many of these other Oscar nominees, I think the there people are still reluctant to go out to the theaters to check it out. So that's why I'm I'm encouraged by what I see by House of Gucci. So it's good. Good. Yeah. You know, back to the topic of Resident Evil, though. Like, what... oh, that's what I was going to touch. Yeah, it's going to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Again. I was just going to ask. Do you think it's going to be a, a an even longer road for those like B grade horror movies to be something that people are willing to, you know, walk out their front doors to watch? I think absolutely. Uh, when it comes to these B grade horror movies, we have seen over the course of the last six months a lot of these uh, movies, which you and I used to just absolutely phrase because you could make a movie under 20 million dollars yeah you could put it out there and it'd be some horror flick that people would go ahead and flock to i think Mm -hmm. that there's been very few exceptions and halloween kills is actually a higher budgeted horror movie so i'm not even sure if you would categorize it with that realm of like uh don't breathe too or some of the others that came out that have not fared so well those movies yeah, like I said, those I think are maybe the last group of people to go ahead and check out those movies because maybe it's just not worth their time. Maybe they just those are just like date movies or just go and check out movies just for with friends for fun. But those movies are just don't seem to be the type of movies that people at all want to check out at the theaters, yeah. which is kind of disappointing. But again, that and the Oscar, those type of movies and the Oscar movies are the kind of movies I think people. Uh, right now are not willing to go ahead and take the risk to watch yeah yeah and i i understand that they're at a disadvantage right just because they don't have the following you know of these big franchise films but again like hopefully we get to a point where people do want to go out and watch these movies you know like i remember I was was in high school i was working at amc you know there are some really really bad movies out there and like teenagers would come up to the box office and order tickets on like a Friday night for something that, you know, probably had a budget of like $10 million or less, you know, and people watch those films. So yeah, it's going to be a long time before we get back to that. But I also, you know, in the movie economy, it is, I do think that those films are necessary oh, yeah, to absolutely. keep things, keep things stable, you know, just like, just like in cryptocurrencies, you have too many things invested in one, the others are going to fail. So there needs to be like a, you know, a fine balance, I guess. Well, for every event movie or big budgeted movie that's out there, there are three, four, or five more movies in what I call a mid-tier. A mid-tier that were, depending on the level of success, some of them really found success with audiences. Some of them would right. be its own breakout hits, and some of them would be very successful and profitable movies. That mid-tier, up until really the House of Gucci, that mid-tier is really, it's been non-existent. It's really yeah. been, it been very much muted. People do not want to go check out these mid-tier movies. They've only said, okay, I'm only stepping into the theaters unless it's an event movie, otherwise I'm not going. That's pretty much oh, the, and that, and those And you're right. Those movies in that mid-tier are the foundation. They're the ones that are the support system movies that people will go check out during the week, movies that they will go and check out in its second and its third and its fourth week that will support the theaters that are really the backbone of what movie theater attending is all about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 
I guess it, it makes, especially like in a in an industry that really pushes for diversity, like it creates diversity. You know, it create not just like in the people in the films, but just the type of films that people in the films are getting a chance to to experiment with. So I, I think that's it. It all. In the words of the the Mad Titan, all needs to be perfectly balanced. Yeah, and but unfortunately, right now it's not the way the movie theater experience worldwide is going out there. It looks like it's going to be a little while before we get that support system of movies, people attending those mid tier movies, people attending, and one of those movies, whether you like it or not, is. Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. And unfortunately, it's getting the usual and expected roasting as far as from the critics. It only has a 44 Metacritic rating, and that's not surprising for a movie like this. They never get highly rated, but the fact that the movie did so poorly at the box office, and it's supposed to be coming to Netflix, I want to say, but you don't know when. It's like you said, it's just not listed yet. I thought it was coming out sooner to Netflix, but I, I guess I was mistaken on that. So, that, I think, is a mistake in its own part by Netflix because Netflix put it out there in the theaters saying, okay, we'll give it a few weeks on Netflix. I have a feeling now that Netflix is going to readjust that and it'll end up being on Netflix much sooner rather than later. You know what else is probably worked to this movie's disadvantage is the fact that nobody knows anything about it. Like, I haven't seen any advertising, haven't seen any trailers. All I've seen in regards to this movie are two or three articles online that said, oh, hey, it's coming out, and there's no dates, there's nothing. Like, I, if I had not read, you know, one or two things on IGN or Polygon, like, I would not have even known this movie existed. I know Netflix had their their CG Resident Evil, and I knew about that because that got a lot of coverage. But this one, you know, there's nothing online for it. There's no nobody's making a big deal out of like trailer drops or really anything like that. So that is definitely something had they done that better. I feel like those numbers could have been a lot higher, but this movie just kind of like snuck out this past weekend and it didn't really, I didn't, you know, I was not expecting, I didn't think that it was going to be out to like December. So this is, it definitely, it was not marketed very well. It sounds like Sony had very little confidence movie succeeding out in the theaters. It just sounds like it, that they didn't support it at all in, in its release. I think that so that's why? a shame because and that's a, that's a shame because the previous iteration of the series has earned a collective billion dollars worldwide at the box office. You know, they, right, so... you know I mean well let's, let me just say this that it could be whether you like it or not, when you like any of these movies in the series, because you and I have spoken about this series before, a lot of these movies are very critically panned a lot of these movies are are not very good with mila jovovich and you know all of these all those adventures that she she took us on but hey you can't argue with the combined billion dollars that these earn and this refresh of this this new uh i guess modernization of this ip to the movie theaters just has not gone over yeah and i mean and that takes me to my next question here why bury this franchise? It has a lot of potential, so why bury it by putting out this like bad movie when you could have taken it to someplace like Netflix and given it the 12-episode treatment? They could have covered the first game, season one, the second game, season two. There, there's so much potential in this because it is 
don't know if you've ever played like the the first Resident Evil game or the you know any of the the first two games, but they are terrifying. I remember sitting there as a kid just being terrified by it. So there's a lot of potential to create something that people will really enjoy. But I think Sony saw the possibility of the numbers more than they saw what is really going to make this franchise carry into you know the next five or six years, much like the Mia Jovovich ones did. And I don't think they're they're able to see the potential there for you know a franchise and storytelling and like what it can do as opposed to like saying what are what how can we make a quick buck off of this again it's just a disappointing i mean the previous series was not the most beloved but people were following it it did have its large audience uh, large enough to mm-hmm. make like i said a billion dollars collectively for all those resident evil movies worldwide so obviously they did something right to the point where people kept one wanted to keep going back and back yeah, and they weren't good movies, but they were fun popcorn flicks, yeah. and I think that's where they really succeeded. And it doesn't look like they have any confidence in the series because it's already, like I said, uh, failing at the box office. So we'll see what mm-hmm. happens upon its Netflix release and the type of numbers that it gets because, you know, it's all about the continuing the series if it does well on Netflix. So if it does garner the kind of attention on Netflix that – Maybe a lot of people feel it deserves. It could see a new light as a new series. But after this first weekend of very, very, very tepid response worldwide from this series, I have a feeling that we're not going to be seeing a whole lot of Resident Evil in a theater anytime soon. So I, I just don't think we're going to see very much of it after this. What I'm seeing, I don't think it's also yeah. going to get a great response on Netflix. We'll see, because you never know. Netflix may be able to advertise this on the Netflix brand and be able to go ahead and push it really far, but we'll see what happens as Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, has hit theaters, and we'll see what happens when it hits Netflix in the not-too-distant future. I have a feeling it's going to be sooner rather than later because of the tepid response at movie theaters, but are you interested, or have you already even checked out Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City? Please share your thoughts on the films, and if you think this will revitalize the movie franchise, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up on the back end of the show, still much more to talk about, including the Beatles get back, Cyber Monday deals, and Josh and I will be going into great detail, and I'm just rubbing my hands at the thought of talking with my good friend about things we've been talking about for a very long time with Mass Effect. Blade Runner, and Alien. We'll be talking about that on the back end of the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, playsets, what-if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that and, of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford along with my good friend and fellow National University graduate, Josh Peterson. Just wanted to make sure everybody knows that we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. If you want to get a chance, go ahead and check out our games all week long. On Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos Plus, we drop the latest news and trends in pop culture 
right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But my friend, there's still so much more to talk about on today's program. Wanted to hit you up with this. In my opinion, in my opinion, they are the greatest rock band of all time. They are the greatest musical artists of all time. Now, I'm not a super fan of the Beatles, but I am a fan. I've listened to many a song from them. I think their wide diversity in what they experimented with and what they ultimately were successful with constitutes the fact that they have just done so well with all their albums, so many of their songs, and the fact that they've earned such worldwide acclaim, not only during the 60s, but beyond, and a, obviously a following for people who were not even alive when they were successful or even around makes for the fact that I think they are the greatest music artists of all time. That's the Beatles. And Peter Jackson got a hold of hundreds of hours of footage from a documentary that was made back in the day. And I think there was much more uncovered footage that was not used in this documentary that was outlining an upcoming TV special that they were prepping for. And in the process, there was a walkout by George Harrison halfway through and a lot of things that were going on in this as far as behind the scenes. You could see all the record executives. You see all the individuals in play. You see uh, Linda McCartney, Yoko Ono. They're there at the studio. You see them interacting with all the four. You see all the uh, people that are involved, all the hangers-on, things of that nature. It's interesting. It's so interesting, and it is the Beatles get back. It is a very detailed documentary in three parts that was put out over the weekend on Disney+. Plus. It is quite extensive. And again, this just covers just a, a bit of what was uh, Peter Jackson found. I think it was in the uh, property of Paul McCartney. I think he asked he asked Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr if he could do this, and I think Paul McCartney said, yeah, he hadn't looked at the footage in, in years. This stuff is 52 years old, man, because this is 1969. This is the year I was born. This was made just before I was born. So this is just fascinating to me that all the stuff around 1969 lately that's come out this year it's just come out. I don't know why. It's my my birth year seems to be the the seminal point for all this stuff in pop culture we've talked about over the past eighteen months. But the Beatles get back is something that I think people should go out of the way to see, even if you're not familiar with the music. It's just you need to go ahead and check out them because to me it's like history lesson. My daughter, my sixteen year old daughter, sat down for a few minutes and watched it, and she thought it was surreal watching it. This is like a, a music history lesson, which I think people need to go out of their way to see. Yeah. I, okay. So, so a few thoughts on this. If you look at Peter Jackson, like his documentary work, like I don't know if you got to see They Shall Not Grow Old, but that was a phenomenal documentary on the life of the soldiers in World War One, And he restored everything to color. And he did a great job of basically telling a story of something that almost gets completely overlooked in history classes and history books. So Peter Jackson is very responsible with his history. So I imagine this Beatles documentary is very well thought out. It's very well put together. As for you saying the Beatles is the greatest rock band, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this. Uh, uh, fighting words, man. Well, not, I'm not me fighting, I... but a Beatles super fan will probably fight with you on I think the Beatles are a very great, possibly the greatest pop band of all time, but I would not consider them rock because the Rolling Stones are like the 
quintessential rock band like they it's because are they're all alive although actually that's kind of like a rumor well, because you never know who's up on the stage i mean yeah Keith Richards, all... are, is he really still alive is he is he really propping his dead body up there <laughs> no, i'm, I, I'm I kidding know. everyone i'm kidding i'm kidding i look at this this is something i took a history of rock class and it's something that like i always pick arguments with people all the time on the beatles are always rock origins man come on they, yes, they have rock origins, and they, they originate from the same places that the Rolling Stones do, but the Rolling Stones are a rock band, and the Rolling Stones were in America before the Beatles were, so the Beatles always get credited with, like, oh, hey, yeah, they the started British the British invasion, but they did not. The Rolling Stones did, and then the Beatles came around. They're a, they're a pop band. Like, they, they are, by all definitions, a pop band. I'll give you that. Because they expanded their music beyond just traditional three guys on guitars and the drums. They expanded yeah. and experimented yeah. with things that the Rolling Stones never did. But that And that's what makes them such a great band, though, right? It's because they didn't just stick to that genre. But, I mean, again, I wouldn't consider them a rock band just because they're not. They, you know, they, the Rolling Stones have been a rock band since their their origins. But the Beatles are kind of not that anymore anyways that's not to say the beatles aren't a good band i'm just saying i like the rolling stones better i just appreciate them for the monumental acclaim and appreciation by the fans over the years and yes beatlemania you get an idea in the film exactly the type of especially in the beginning of the type of response and the type of fanaticism people had over the beatles in the 60s but when you see them sitting down in their sessions and first off okay if you and i are just Make, trying to make music, trying to coordinate on the special for a couple of weeks, man. It's really hard to do that with cameras always in your face the whole time. And then studio executives from all over trying to go ahead and talk to you and, and like have conversations with you. And it, it, just to see the distractions as they became what they were. And this takes place just before they broke up in 1969. Just to see where this place is in the Beatles' history, it, to me it's fascinating. To me it's absolutely fascinating. And I think the original cut of this documentary way back when by the director, who is shown in the documentary, showed more of the divisive side of the Beatles. This shows a little bit of that, but it also shows the music that was created, the music that was made, the way they set up, the what they went over. You hear stuff that they did normally and that you're familiar with, but you also hear songs and things that they... They were practicing and working on that you just you don't remember or you don't ever hear about much of. So to me, that was just a fascinating look into them. Plus the way they interacted with each other, and the you know the, actually if if the end of part one, I'm going to give you a little bit of the teasers is when George Harrison walks out, right? I think it was like a it was several days into the the rehearsal process, and George Harrison just walks out before lunch. And what's fascinating to see is where the relationship between the band members came to the point where George Harrison walks out and the other guys didn't really put up a fight. Yeah, I mean, you know, you see a, a lot of that today with like bands kind of break, breaking up feeling. It's like it's a natural progression of things to be like, oh, hey, we've had this journey and maybe this was enough for us. I think, though, with the Beatles, like what made them so great was the fact that they were very divisive if you listen to all the solo stuff that has been done post beatles it's all completely different yeah. you know the things that paul mccartney did 
are completely different from what John Lennon was doing or the things that like, I guess even Ringo Starr, you know, it was kind of the comedic relief of the Beatles. <laughs> if you look at a modern standpoint, like hearing oh, what music he, reviewers He was representing that, but nobody should underestimate his songs. He, I know he oh, did no, bring no. out that many songs with him as the lead, but a lot of them are cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even like George Harrison, they all have different tastes in music, they all different things they wanted to do. And I think that's why, you know, there's a, such experimental things that the Beatles did in the later part of their, you know, their career, which is, uh, again, you know, not not to say that it was bad, but it just it, it was different. You know, and a lot of people like the later stuff more than the early stuff. So, you know, good on them. If they didn't all have different tastes, though, you wouldn't have gotten a lot of that stuff. But it is a documentary, The Beatles Get Back, Peter Jackson's look at one of the last times that they were all together uh, for a performance and everything leading up to it. So it is a great look behind the scenes at The Beatles in their last days together. So if you get a chance, please, it is, it's a long watch. It is a several hours watch, but if you get a chance, please check it out on Disney Plus. It's the Beatles Get Back. It's a fascinating journey at one of the greatest, if not the greatest, rock, pop, or whatever music band that you want to go ahead and say. But it is the Beatles. I'm not going to get into that argument on who is the best right now. I just said my opinion. Josh has his. But if you have your opinion on the greatest rock, pop, music artists, whoever, please share it with us. Or if you also have thoughts on the Beatles Get Back on Disney Plus, we would absolutely love to hear them. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, before we head on out, I wanted to leave a lot of time before we hit the Cyber Monday deals for what was hinted at last week by Ridley Scott. And also by Amazon Prime, they may be hinting on the other and Deadline actually release the information on that. The first is with Ridley Scott, my friend, talking about what he's still doing at 83, what projects he's working on after the House of Gucci and The Last Duel. And obviously after his complaining about The Last Duel and the millennials and all that that he was talking about. I think it was millennial, the millennials he was talking about. I'll tell yeah. you, man. And your cell phones. Yes, that's what he said. <laughs> That's my generation. I, I think he said something expletive. No, I'm sure expletive. he did. Yeah. Yeah. So he was not too shy about that. But I, I you know, I, I really don't want to go into a movie where it has uh, American actors with British accents playing French compatriots there back in the 60s. That's, that's like my wife was watching a Christmas movie with Brooke Shields and Harry Elways, and he was talking with a Scottish accent. It's just really throwing me off there. Uh, but also, you know, as, as far as our friend Ridley Scott's concerned, like he does have a point with like cell phone videos, right? Like our attention spans have gotten a lot 
shorter. So, you, it, you know, he's talking about releasing Gladiator 2. I, I'd just be curious if it's going to get the same reaction as Gladiator 1 did because it is a three-hour film. So did, are people going to have the, I guess, the willpower to sit through something like that but again? he did announce that he had scripts in place and pilots made for a Alien which obviously is something that you're interested in, Alien TV series that would be coming to Hulu. It would be coming to Hulu on that one because they own the rights to it. And then Blade Runner. He has already got a pilot he's working on for that series. I don't know where it would be going. I'm assuming maybe HBO Max. I'm just guessing and throwing that out there, but he w- he is in the process of making series for each. Your thoughts on this? I'm going to go first with you on Alien. We have touched on Alien at times, and you are official alien aficionado when it comes to pop culture cosmos so your thoughts on a possible alien tv series and what you would like it to cover see that's tough for me because i i want to know like what happened after the alien covenant you know not to say that that movie was good but prometheus really opened up the box for what could have been a very beautiful and well done and philosophical trilogy of films and then you know, Ridley Scott had, even in his interview, he said that he had big plans lined up for that. And then the studio was like, we want more killing, more blood, more nudity. Like, that was what they were after. And he said, you know, you can only do the same thing with an alien running around a ship so many times before people get tired of it. And he was, he's right, you know. So what what could an alien TV series offer me that would make me interested without repeating what's been done a million times already? One, would love to see Sigourney Weaver back in it or Naomi Repace because they were very, very strong female leads in these movies. And like they were, I, I really enjoyed their performances. I was actually telling my wife, I think that Sigourney Weaver was actually like in my eyes, she's one of the original action stars, you know, even, even before Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like right. I would say that she was, she was for me as a kid, like she was awesome. But anyways, like, what can an alien TV series offer me? Like, oh, yeah, we're going to have this thing. Guess what? The premise is going to be they're on a ship. There's an alien in the ship, and we're going to stretch this out for 18 episodes. I don't think that's something that I'd want to watch. You know, if they're willing to go and explore the engineers and those planets where they came from, have those those horror elements in them without, like, rehashing what's already been done. Yeah, that's something I could totally get behind. But an alien TV series really worries me because you have these studio heads you know saying like oh this is what we want out of this series because this is what sells action figures and toys and movie tickets like that would be something that would really make me nervous and i would have to watch it before i actually got on board with it cuz even ridley scott had said in previous interviews we're doing this but it's never going to be as good as the original movies were absolutely so i'm I'm kind of looking forward to myself. You're talking about that time between Alien Covenant, like you said, Prometheus. Maybe it's during that time. I don't know what timeline in the Alien series he would actually do it from or if he would do it post Sigourney Weaver as far as maybe having her come back. I know she was uh, on a after credit scene for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm-hmm. So take a look for her on that. So she might still be involved in later iterations of the Ghostbusters franchise. So watch out for that. But yeah, it's something that I'm looking forward to. You want to go ahead and check out what she is doing. Maybe you can go check out Ghostbusters Afterlife, but maybe she could be part of this Alien TV series. Something that, again, would get 
audiences from the past back involved with the Alien series. So maybe yeah. maybe that would be a good thing. But with Blade Runner, I'm really intrigued by where it would go with this. I'm still hoping for a Blade Runner movie, but I don't think I'm going to get it. I think this is what's going to happen with this. I think this is where this is going to go. Will this be the conclusion of the trilogy as far as the replicants wars against humans that was hinted upon in blade runner 2049 you remember the underground movement that the replicants yeah. And, yeah and the human sympathizers were a part of so maybe we will see a continuation of that in that sense because i don't think we're going to be seeing as much as i am very disappointed by saying this i don't think we'll be seeing a end to this trilogy of movies that were it was hopeful when 2049 came out but maybe we'll see a continuation of it in a in the form of a television yeah so with blade runner i guess one of the big things that was so appealing about was the fact that watching it on the big screen was just absolutely magical you know the first one was cool but just seeing blade runner 2049 the the direction that it had and the cinematography like that really contributed to the film outside of just the content itself. So my concern with a Blade Runner show, yes, I, I I definitely be down to watch. I've been meaning to check out Black Lotus. Haven't had a chance yet. But... First episode is really good. I I need to get back to it. So my fear with this though is, are they going to dumb it down into a TV show? You know, or is it going to be something that's like a high profile thing, like something on Netflix? So that you know, is is it going to be, is it going to be like I guess, dumbed down or doled down for the platform that it's on, or are they going to continue to produce these big concepts just in a smaller way? Before we head on out, I want to go ahead and hear your thoughts on Mass Effect, because Deadline, in a article about what's coming up with now with the Wheel of Time, but what's coming up for the future in The Lord of the Rings, also mentioned that Amazon Prime is circling around a Mass Effect series, which brought tears to my eyes in the form of a nerd cry back last week, which I mentioned on the show, which you know, just made Melinda laugh when I said that. But yes, I did come out with a nerd cry when I heard the news that Amazon Prime and a Mass Effect series is possibly very real. So I want to hear your thoughts on that, my friend, on a Mass Effect series coming to, possibly coming to Amazon Prime. I don't, I don't remember if I was talking to you or Big Dog about this, but... Mass Effect is, it wasn't a matter of what if, it's just, just a matter of when and, and where is this thing going to land and who's, how is it going to, to land? Like, are we going to cover the first season through game one, first, second season through game two? or, or Will how it go is that into the back lore of all the stuff that's yeah. put in the novels yeah, really. and comic books? Exactly, exactly. The, the big thing here is it's, it's exciting that Amazon is looking at this because they're somebody with the budget to really take a massive property and bring it to life in a way that it deserves. The big question here is Amazon is kind of unproven when it comes to storytelling. Visually, they have more than prov proven themselves, you know, through different properties as Carnival Row and the Wheel of Time, just the the quick snippets we've seen of Am of the Lord of the Rings, but they have yet to really like show us that they're good storytellers. You know, if 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 we wanted good storytelling, oh, we boys. would go to the boys, yeah, the boys is good, but like Netflix is where a lot of these storytellers go that have really proven themselves. So I'm excited to see what happens with this. Like, yes, I'm I'm positive if Netflix gets it, not Netflix, Amazon gets this, we're gonna have something that's visually stunning. 
but are they going to be able to tell the story in a way that that does the series justice and are we going to get henry cavill in the parts of commander shepherd that would be real cool that would be real cool although i'm not sure if he would shave his head for it because you know those from the uh long hair of the witcher yeah pass the coin to the witcher and then to a very very much oh. short-haired shepherd on that and then yeah you know, in, how, do you inc- how do you incorporate fem shep how you know because i think you should go ahead and pay tribute to to fem shep we discussed this i remember i went uh, a couple months back on this on the soapbox as i have well, um, on the soapbox on many occasions now on this that's that's where the complications come in right like i like i, I love andromeda is critically panned as the game is they did a good job of saying like hey there's this brother and sister are are two separate people and you can I, play I would love for them to do something like that and then just have a yeah. spin-off series you know she could interact on the main series but have her own if it does well have her own spin-off series and then there's a you know i talked about all the stuff for the lore that you may not want to touch mm-hmm. on right away because the commander shepherd stuff is sexy that's what the studio execs would want to see is the guy involved in this saving the world etc cetera, etc cetera. they're not really sure about putting the backstory into it first and right. that would be for me something I would love to see. But I know, as someone who would finance it, would probably say, you know, I want to get to the game stuff. I want to get to the stuff around the games first and foremost, because that's going to be the money maker. That's going to be the one that most people want to connect to. Then you could do a side story or side series with you know, Femshep. Then you could do a side story and side series with the prequel stuff for Anderson and the Protheans and the First Contact War and all that stuff that you could go in and into great detail upon. Because the one, if one thing is going to guarantee to click, or one thing that's going to come close to as possible guaranteeing to click, it's the Mass Effect game storyline. That's probably going to click the most with fans. You always got to make a good first impression. I'm sure they would probably warrant with that first. So. Yeah, and you know, and as for like the things that people like to show in TV shows and movies these days with diversity, like there's no greater series for demonstrating stuff like that, right? Like there's you have people from all different walks of life and backgrounds and you know you have all these alien species trying to live in harmony like it is literally the perfect show for 2021 it's so funny though man somebody argued with me that they didn't think that this property would be good for something like that i'm like thinking to myself are you serious kidding me yeah this is like this is perfect it's it's so perfect that if you remember when some of the stuff came out, it caused a lot of controversy amongst people. Be like, we don't even see that in games. Like, it is in fact, I guess in in a way, it's almost like our society today is modeled after some of the things that have happened in Mass Effect. But if you have thoughts out there on a Mass Effect TV series, a Blade Runner TV series, and an Alien TV series, please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com my friend it's been a great episode just want to touch on real quick for cyber monday if you're listening to this on monday and you had all the deals on black friday and over the course of the weekend but if you're looking for mainline stuff from amazon samsung apple microsoft all these mainline brands there are still plenty of cyber monday deals a lot of them extended their savings through monday for instance like amazon on all of its famous products from the fire to ring to everything there that's related on the amazon banner i see the airpods from apple 
The latest AirPods are still on sale with a big deal on those, the AirPods 3 and the AirPods Max. I see a lot of deals from Samsung as far as their products. You know, they're still going wild on, on sales like that. For instance, the TVs, they're going up to 85 inches, and they're still on sale for a lot of their, their Samsung televisions and, and appliances. Seeing, you know, For me, all, Cyber Monday is still about all those brands, those big brands that are extending their Black Friday deals to Monday. How about you, my friend? Yeah, it, it, it's exactly what you said. Like Cyber Monday is a lot of just Black Friday deals being extended. There are some things out there. Like if you're in the market for a TV, like I've seen a lot of good deals. I was actually you know, looking at Best Buy's monitors the other day, and they've got quite a few discounts on those. So if you're you know, you didn't get around to pick something up on Black Friday. It's definitely a good time to to jump on that. And I'm sure as we get closer to Christmas, we'll see more deals happen, but just not in mass like they have happened this past couple weeks. Please do your research. Still a great place to go, and I'm giving their free love because they've been so much a part of our investigation of any of the Black Friday sites is blackfriday.com. They have a lot of their site devoted now to Cyber Monday deals, but also as well, if you do a great search, CNET has done a great job on lining stuff up. IGN has done a lot of great stuff and great work on Cyber Monday deals, but I will be getting a chance to throw some Black Friday articles as well up on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook as I have during the Black Friday shopping season and leading up to it. So if you get a chance, check out some Cyber Monday deals that I'll be posting on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But my friend, it's been a great episode. As always, I love talking to you, man. We just shoot the shop on everything going on in pop culture. Any last thoughts on the way out? Not that I can think of. I have been watching more Cowboy Bebop, liking it. Liking a little more with each I episode. I am seven so. episodes in, my friend. I'm liking it as well. I, think I just got to five. Is that the one where Sp- I'm right now? Spike has been his mind's being like abducted by some. That's AI six. Or something. Yeah, so, that, okay. I just so, finished that one last night, and the next one after that. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. So, so I'm, you're I'm liking it so far. far. I'm liking it. I'm liking it more with each episode. Also, still playing Forza Horizon Five. Really enjoying that game still. So there's a lot of good stuff that I'm diving into. I just I haven't completed enough to have like cool thoughts on it. So I'm I'll I want to talk about that stuff more at some point. Also, I would love um, Bebop talk. I would definitely love to hear your Bebop talk, especially yeah, after yeah, all the, the divisiveness on the internet with that. Exactly. So I was thinking, and I haven't talked this over with you yet, that we could next week present five of the coolest things that we think would be good Christmas gifts this season. Oh, actually, I did a holiday gift guide with Melinda on some ideas. You know what? I think we'll add more because there's always more gifts to it. So yes, absolutely. Let's drop that on next week's episode. All right. That sounds good. But other than that, man, we covered it all. We did cover it all indeed. A couple last things we want to go ahead and mention. The Wisdom app. If you want to go ahead and check out a good Wisdom app for some life thoughts, some thoughts on your health, well-being, and a lot of great conversations, please head over and download today the Wisdom app on iPhones coming soon to Androids. I know Josh has got... uh, his app, Wisdom app, getting all prepped for the Pop Culture Cosmos. Plus, I also want to mention as well Vampires and Vitae for those coming up on here that want to go ahead and check it out. The action is going strong. Had our morning game with DM Mitch as the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. And we followed up with the awesome Vampires and Vitae with Melinda, Rob, and the whole crew. So check that out as well. 
Any last thoughts? You're you're good, man? All good? No, that's it. Yeah, well, I'm good. All right. So we will go more in detail, hopefully, on Wisdom app next week. But definitely looking forward to hearing your thoughts out there. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great